Can we jump to the start of the next paragraph? Because yep, I've been waiting for this. one of my favorite sentences in the entire paper. Like the Inquisition, the Crusades also were a mixed bag. A mixed bag what? of what? What's yeah. in this what bag? What are some other mixed bags Sociopathy, about? <laughs> uh, neurosis, uh, narcissism. Vietnam, a mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> the War on Terror, a mixed bag. <laughs> a mixed bag of dead bodies. Yes, a lot of people died, but, um, you know, Halliburton made a lot of money, and that's American jobs. Welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian, a special solo episode that I think you're going to love. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. I'm Jeremiah. And today we're going to be... Okay, so the way this came about was um, we have a Discord. If you're not in the Discord, we don't talk about it enough. We really should plug it every episode. Yeah, we don't hype it very much. Also, I think I need to like re-up the links somewhere on our social media. So I'll store that up here. We have a Discord if you can find it. And uh, <laughs> you can DM us for the link if you want. If I, I don't have it up and it's not available, just shoot us a message on Instagram and we'll send it to you. We got a pretty good crew of people in the Discord nowadays. I don't know exactly how many people are in there, but it's a decent amount. And that is a lot of times our friends in the Discord are where we get some ideas for things or stuff that we talk about during intros and stuff. One of our friends in Discord posted this article uh, probably a month and a half ago, two months ago, and it's called, Is the Church Really to Blame? Shedding Light on the Dark Ages. And it's by a guy named Dr. Ryan McPherson, and this was in a Lutheran publication. What's what's the name of this thing? The, the Lutheran, Lutheran Sentinel. Sentinel. A publication and it's conservative, of the- very conservative. Yeah. Lutherans can go in many different directions. We might have some Lutherans that listen that are on the progressive side of Christianity, but they also, you know, like every iteration of Christianity can have their fun little, they put the fun in fundamentalist, you know, when they want to. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, I read this article and I was just like, like jaw on the floor yeah. and laughing the entire time. It's, it's, it's magic and you really need to read it for yourself. Um, but <laughs> We're, we're going to go through it and talk a little bit about it um, to to kick it like so the Inquisition was a time it was like in the 12th century was when I guess the church who was basically the state had all the, the power church. yeah yeah the, and they would basically inquisitors would show up into towns like be like ah they announce themselves as inquisitors and they would tell people to admit that they are heretics uh, or they'd be or they'd be punished. Um, and if they admitted that they were heretics, like their punishment was sometimes it was like kind of between a pilgrimage of sorts. I don't really know what that means. I pulled some of this from Wikipedia and I didn't dive too deep into it or a whipping. Uh, everyone knows what a whipping is super fun in the right context, right? Uh, this wasn't the right context for that. So the people who <laughs> I've never experimented, the with inquisition, that. not the right context for whipping, <laughs> But uh, the people who did it, who were accused but didn't confess, were basically subjected to inescapable torture and eventual execution. 
Uh, some, lots of false of them, accusations around were. this. Yeah, some of them were like maybe like a thousand people, right? Like, you know, is it really that many people that were executed? Well, Overall, that, is it, that is something we're going to get into for sure. <laughs> but uh, this one kind of touches on the the uh, the Inquisition and the Crusades, um, which I feel like the Inquisition was like a cruise. Uh, it was like a home front crusade. You're trying to mm-hmm. root out nefarious uh, Islamic or Jewish sects that are pretending to be Christians within your uh, your your body of citizens. Yeah, this was is it's often played as um, you know, well by some of these apologists as we'll get into as uh, fighting Islam, right? Oh, the Islamic state whatever, I don't know. I don't know how unified it was, but basically it took over a large portion of Europe and there was like, unified. This- yeah. Like we need to get this back and it started out there, but uh, it was also <laughs> In continuation with what we've seen throughout all of history, uh, they also hated Jewish people and did a lot to kill them. Uh, it's pretty interesting how continually throughout history the Jewish people have just been beat the fuck down. It's I, it does it's, make you wonder. Like, I, I'm sure there are people who are educated on this, not me. But at what point did the church change from the Jewish people to like enough non-Jewish people they were able to turn and look and go, wait a second, we don't. Where'd you guys come from? Like. I, I don't yeah. know. It was fairly early on. I you. believe it was within like the first like. I mean, the, I mean, ultimately, if you really want to kind of break it down, the New Testament's dealing with that. People trying to maintain their Jewish identity, and some people not being that, and then trying to sway people one way or other, say that it's cool to do both. I don't know. It's that's kind of what even the New Testament was dealing with. But I feel like that like partition was kind of in full swing by like the fourth, at least the fourth century. And I think don't quote me on that. So, and like what well, you'll see it in the article here, um, you know, in our post war on terror world, it's still, still the only justifiable okay. war. If you ask me. Yeah. 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 If you want, if you want to get into just war theory, of course, I feel like in, in, in very conservative circles, <laughs> political and religious circles, it's still kind of okay to hate, uh, is Islamic populations to hate, uh, yeah, uh, Muslims, right? And but it's not okay to to hate Jews until you get really far into the conspiracy theory realm. That's always where you know you've hit the turning back point. Like even if it's entertaining, when you hit the the point where they start talking about Zionists, that's when it's time to turn around and come back to the you know yeah, the to anti, the paved the, roads. The yeah. anti-Semitic <laughs> point of no return. Yeah, <laughs> the conspiracy yeah. theorist. But I think like it's worth noting before we get into this that. Um, the way that I think conservative America views Islam and Muslim communities now is, is not at all what we're talking about in like the 10th, 11th, 12th century. The, the Islamic community at that point was kind of like the scientific center of the world. Like that was the intellectual tip of the spear at the time. And, uh, you know, there was also like wars of conquest are one of those things that I feel like every population has engaged in pretty much. And it's always a travesty for the people who are being conquered. And it's always a proud, you know, feat of, of, of accomplishment for the for the population doing the conquering. But um, I think that's where, you know, when we get into the Crusades and stuff, there's going to be some some 
really interesting language that is definitely skewed towards modern day ideas of Islam and stuff like that when they start talking about, um, you know, Muslim rulers and Ottomans and things like that, like oppressing them and conquering their communities and whatnot. Yeah, they they almost try to delineate between uh, conquering Christianity and conquering Islam as though because they are their roots come from that, that the Christianity one was purely like a self-defense thing and just taking back what had been stolen from them, even though, you know, they had <laughs> through not exactly the most ethical means reached their power out across of all of Europe through, you know, the, the papacy. But it's definitely portrayed as like this. Well, you know, we were the good guys uh, and we just default had all this control over everything for probably only good reasons. And then the nasty Islams came in and tried to and, and took over a third of Europe and through evangelism. We didn't through, yeah. conquer these communities. We converted them through evangelism. Yeah. They saw well, the truth of the Lord. And ironically, that's like one of the big hangups they have is with Islam doing forced conversions and shit. And it's just like, you're talking about the Inquisition. I, that was that was forced conversion through and through. And they're like, but it was different. Uh, and then they kind of come up with some really shitty reasons why that I guess we can just kind of start poking through this article. Yeah, I feel like we've dancing around it. Like this writing is so terrible that like you don't want to delay you. it all. I I thought a lot of times while I'm reading this, just some of the sentences, like whether or not you agree with what they're saying, even if what you agree with, like if you agree with it 100 percent, it's hard not to read this and be like, man, this is just really poorly written. Like it must really stink to be an intellectual and an academic. And that's your whole job. And you write articles like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure they're me, not peer reviewed. So <laughs> well, let me kick us off here. I'll, I'll just get us into the opening. So the church, the article written by Doctor Brian McPherson. What's that? And no, the article. I'm just saying it comes out swinging. Sentence one and two is already a mess. Well, it's called "Is the Church Really to Blame?" Shedding light on the dark ages, the Inquisition, the Crusades, the stifling of science. Christianity often gets a bad rap when it comes to the Middle Ages. But what does history actually reveal about the influence of Christianity upon Western civilization? Mm. <laughs> so this that, is this is a, a quest setup. for knowledge. This is this is a let's look at the history. Let's look at the history, guys, and just see what it has to say. Well, it's already not clear from the beginning. What is this article actually going to be about because they cover like so the title is is the church really to blame like let's let's get to the truth about the dark ages and then they throw science in almost immediately of like a what what's the church's issue with science does the church really have a problem and what about the you know christianity's influence upon western civilization like i don't feel like those are those are three different topics and oh, yeah. yeah this is like yeah. a 1200 word article yeah. That tackles that the Inquisition, the Crusades, and the stifling of science. Uh, uh, and communism. There's also communism in there. Oh, yeah. there's, uh, can you really write <laughs> – can you really be a good Christian and write an article about empire without giving a nod to communism though? No, as, as we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so, so just stop me when I get into here as far as, uh, as I should, all right? Okay. The Inquisition was rare and unusual, not characteristic of the church as a whole. 
Okay, Rare I feel like a helpful. It's two hundred years. Wait, 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 one <laughs> yeah, <sentence. laughs> yeah I, I, okay. So I, we didn't really like plan how we were going to go through this. I feel like uh, uh, a tactic you can use while we're going through this is just rephrase it in modern terms and then see if it's not the dumbest thing that you've ever heard. Like uh, nuclear war, rare and unusual, not characteristic of American <laughs> military might as a whole. <laughs> like that's how you know you're really starting a good article here. <laughs> I want to say I I did some other you know, not real research, like any acad- true academic, but some, you know, Googling and Wikipediaing, and I uh, found some stuff on the history channel and, you know, so it lasted about 250 years and for it to be rare, it probably needs to take up, um, less than 12 and a half percent of Christian history. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be, it needs to be less than a tithe of Christian history. Yeah. I it's, do like that I analogy. Mean, though, I'm comfortable with like seven, seven <laughs> percent is uh, I'm comfortable with that being maybe rare, but 12 and a half percent of Christian history. It's hard to call that rare. The Tuskegee project was rare and unusual, not characteristic <laughs> of American race relations. Yeah. Well, that part's not true. <laughs> okay. All right. We, All right. we ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ready to proceed? Yeah, yeah I got go. some thoughts in the next section. Let's go. Okay. It actually was an improvement upon prior standards of justice. All right. That's next, the whole sentence. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Inquisitors. Let's, uh, let's do the next few. Inquisitors announced formal charges sought the testimony of witnesses and asked defendants to supply evidence of their innocence. All of which weren't seriously considered. (laughs) All paving the way for modern judicial systems. Let's talk about that. Yes. (laughs) Are we about to talk about Roman law? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go modern. I was going to go back to, I'm sorry. They think this started in the dark ages and paved the way for modern judicial systems, not like Roman law, whose words we still use in our judicial system. Like we (laughs) we literally haven't even updated it. We're still talking about jurisprudence and stuff. Sure. The church, they created the modern judicial system. Also, okay. So you roll up into a town. I don't know a lot of details like the rest of you. I mostly use Wikipedia for this. You roll up into a town, you announce the inquisition. All right. So you're telling everybody we're here to judge you based on your supposed heresy or faith. And then your punishment will range from a maybe fun whipping to execution somewhere <laughs> along that span. So then we seek the testimony of witnesses like, hey, who, we think this person's a heretic. Does anyone in this town that's scared of us want to vouch that they are a heretic? Uh, and you, nothing bad will happen to you. Uh, and then ask defendants to supply evidence of their innocence. What does that mean? Like they're written works? Of <laughs> that's like- the one that I just keyed in on. <laughs> yeah. I just like read that and I'm like, oh, that's a gem. I missed that earlier. Like when, we, like when we ask witches to supply evidence, like yeah. the evidence we're looking for is do you float or do you sink? Yeah. When it's a guilty until proven innocent system uh, and the evidence is – like that doesn't make – like there is no evidence that can save you in a situation like that. What would the evidence be? Like, are are you paying your tithe to the local church? Like, it was the Catholic church. I'm guessing that factored in. <laughs> if she yeah. weighs the same as a duck, then that means <laughs> she's made of wood. <laughs> well, don't forget the part where they also reach out for eyewitness testimony. You know, no one's going to. Oh, yeah. uh, historically, eyewitness testimony has been the most reliable form of evidence uh, well, no. a court of love has ever seen. Right. Is that true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like in modern times, we will supply you an attorney if you can't afford one. 
in back in the Inquisition, they supplied you a Judas cradle. You know what a Judas cradle is? No. It's a big pyramid-shaped spike that you sit on, and it helps <laughs> you think of in, of uh, of reasons why you, why you sit on it. I like how we all just like shifted our seat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we did. That. <laughs> it's like, oh uh, did your dad ever do? Did you ever hit, play that game Whistle or Lose It? Nope. No. No. Uh, what game were you playing with your dad called Whistle and Lose It, Casey? It's a terrible game. So okay. I don't know if anybody else's dad did this, but my dad would like, he would grab my nipple and he'd be like, whistle or lose it. And you had to whistle before he twisted it or and he would stop. But like under pressure, you couldn't whistle. So you'd just be like. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, never played I, that. But I see well, the similarity here. It's the ancient equivalent or the modern equivalent of the Judas Cradle. Right. Like, <laughs> you a heretic? Uh, no. Says who? Uh, what, what does this even mean? Whistler split your butthole. Yeah, I can't read or write. What, what evidence am I supposed to give you? What's, I worked um, in a field all day. What's particularly funny about him kind of going a bat for it, paving the way for the judicial system, is he goes on to say, um, Inquisition. Inqu- well, first he says something that's just a flat-out lie. Inquisitors took their time, sometimes a decade before reaching a verdict. Maybe, maybe they tortured you for a decade before they came to a verdict. But it's not like it was like this peaceful time for the people they were mulling it over on. Also, what were they doing there that time? Processing paperwork, like yeah. sending sending writers throughout the land to collect evidence of this person's heresy. They, they were he, what he sit did for was, free on a Judas cradle. Yeah, he found <laughs> one or two like weird examples of like some guy who was forgotten about in a prison cell, and was like, "Well, you know, they took ten years to figure that one out." And then, uh, of course, he this- ultimately was a heretic, so they killed him. But they didn't not take their time. There was a situation where an angry parishioner accused a priest of being a secret Jew, and it took several years to uh, to <laughs> convict him of being one and kill him. <laughs> so he goes on to say uh, the, the medieval Inquisition was both more fair minded and more transparent than the secret police of the 20th century communist regimes. Which is how you know you're reading top tier Christian propaganda is because in no way is anything in this entire article have anything to do with modern communist regimes, which I guess they really mean like totalitarian regimes that are, you know, have a system of government that's somewhat communist. Uh, But like, right. How did we make that left turn? Well, because the KJB, the KGB would just kind of show up to people's houses and do what the inquisitors did. But for some reason it was worse because it was under communist rule. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I would rather talk to a medieval inquisitor than uh, a Cambodian tribunal under Pol Pot. (laughs) And that's, I I will stand behind that, yes. I think you picked a good hill to die on. Yeah, that's a hot hot take, we'll allow it. That one, yeah, that was definitely the sentence where I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) <laughs> but this is what I love is that, you know, he he's painting this pretty picture for it. Right. And then he goes, I'm going to finish reading it. Uh, this this little paragraph here. It's a couple of sentences. He says, church authorities did not themselves execute convicts, but only recommended punishment to secular authorities. Admittedly, the system was far from perfect and sometimes quite horrific. <laughs> no, for example, no. some confessions. Admittedly, the were system was forced. far from perfect. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but. 
that's just one of those lines. It's like, that's not good writing. Like that is, that was inappropriate for this point in the article. Admittedly, the torture we've just described while not a communist regime, also not perfect. That wasn't yeah. perfect. And sometimes, yeah, yeah it was horrific. And for example, for some confessions were forced torture, were obtained through torture. For, torture like forced, like, which is not a term. Yeah. I really I like how it says church authorities did not themselves execute convicts, but only recommended punishment to secular authorities. That's exactly why Jigsaw isn't on the hook for anything in the Scott movies, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually do the executing. Uh, those other people making choices. This is a, it's Based funny, his like recommendations, <laughs> the, the little bit of like reading that I did outside of this, like on from other, cause there's a bunch of, I didn't know that this was a whole line, but there's like, uh, yeah. a, there's a lot of articles defending the church's actions during the crusades and the inquisition. And I, why, it's why weird. are you doing I, that? That's I, like, I, that's like when, you know, your conservative family member like says something you know, they, like they'll 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 defend Marjorie Taylor Greene for something that she said, and you're like, "Hey, I don't think you're in the same boat as this person. Like, you don't have to go to bat for her. Don't go to bat for her. Like, you're not that. I know you're not that. Right. Just, you can say just we, let we her agree be on crazy a couple things. And do that. Yeah, but we we she's nuts. But we agree on like these three things. That both of those things can be true at the same time. It doesn't have to be all in. Yeah. Ultimately, what this means is, I know we're already seeing some of this, but uh, you know we're. Uh, 850-ish years removed from this, maybe uh, less. Uh, but, you know, we are seeing trends towards uh, like Holocaust denial and acting like that was as bad as it was. Uh, so it only makes sense that we would, you know, get there. Uh, it, it's weird. We're getting there sooner with something more recent and like with, with something in recent history and uh, it's a direction people want to go when they're wrapping their identity up, I guess. In because when, the Inquisition it's when is you need like, it, you need yeah, it to right. be right because because the, because the church is an extension of God and therefore it should be perfect or at least just. You know, so you better. need it to be different than what it's made out to be. That's it's this is all because it's a counterpoint. That like an atheist will bring up in discussion. They're like, oh, right. yeah, the church right. was really accepting and perfect during the uh, Crusades. And like, I do not understand this impulse to defend something like this. Like there's and there's better defenses, like there's better defenses than, well, it wasn't so bad. The, the better defense would just be to like to say like, hey, look some of the rulers had political goals and stuff like that. And they use the church to make those goals happen. Right. That to would me, be the defense. A, not this is a, well, it was actually pretty decent. It's just misrepresented. Right. It's a stronger case to me for why it's a bad idea for the church to become is politically in, to become a political influence, to achieve political power. Like you, you see how it goes awry uh, very clearly here. And I don't, I think you could make a solid case for that is what happens. And that's Which is why funny because that he's, the very next lines, he says, there's a sobering reminder here that human zeal can so easily depart from the true love of God and true love for one's neighbors. Multiple times in the article, he seems to cover that same thing of like, Hey, you can't judge the church or Christianity. Um, just based on the actions of some people, which is a perfectly fair point. But then he, like, 
he's saying that, but I don't know if he actually believes it because then he feels the need, like you were saying, Casey, to right. defend this. Like he can't possibly hold his faith now if he's not defending this. Yeah. He says that the faults were a deviation of Christian principles and not because of them, which sure, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't, I don't know how you read, you know, things that Jesus said and have come to conclusions like maybe we should conquest in the name of God and kill people who think differently than us to preserve. I mean, that's, I guess you have to sell it as a way of like the, the, the only way to preserve this message is through these means. Otherwise it's going to go extinct and you put the stakes of hell. I mean, we talk about this all the time in just youth group, you make the stakes high enough and it makes kids act funny and do weird things. You know, here you're offering people indulgences uh, to fight and, and basically granting them salvation and saying that the only way that this is going and you don't have other you don't have other sources, right? You show up to your fucking church on Sunday and you're getting those one message and this message is aligned with your with the political forces because uh, they're completely unified. And in fact, they're probably uh, it's probably the state that's struggling for power against the church in most situations at this time. So like, if that's the only message you're getting, like we're this is an extinction level event that we're facing. Salvation will be available to nobody if we don't take these matters into our own hands. And I guess that's how you got. It's the selling point here. Yeah, it's the right. selling point when in fact, the motivations are the same as it, it, any conquering force. Yep. It's, it's trade. It's, uh, populations and subjects and things like that. It's taxes. There's like, it's like all of the same motivations that, that have motivated every empire. But in this case, it was sold using Christianity and yes. with total uh, control of the Christian message. It's the, they hate us for our freedom, but they hate of... us because they ain't us. <laughs> <laughs> that time leave tale, tale as old as time. They hate us for our freedom. What a great! Right. <laughs> I want to right, trade in my WWJD bracelet for like a, <laughs> they hate us because of our freedom. I, I mean, but that that seriously that worked though. Like that that level of like the propaganda is super simple, and th uh, this propaganda was super simple. They're preaching it from the pulpit every Sunday, and it's you know the the kingdom of heaven idea, and that the kingdom of heaven needs to be on earth as well as whatever their understanding of heaven was back then. And so the best thing you can do is help spread the kingdom of heaven across the whole world. Well, what specifically does that mean? And that's where it like starts getting a little complicated. Yeah. Dude, I remember going to – so when we went to Cornerstone in college, one of the nights they had like a big like Christian rock band night. You know, like all the big like Christian butt rock bands. And so Skillet was the headliner, I think, which it was a great show. It was really fun. Um but Disciple was in there somewhere. And I really liked Disciple at the time. And I remember the lead singer between one of the songs, he was talking about, you know, just having a passion for Christ. And he's like, you know, a thousand years ago, there were a bunch of guys that were so passionate, so on fire for God that they thought, man, we need to reclaim the Holy Land so that God can come back to earth and, and rule here on earth and blah, blah, blah. And, and they called that the crusades. And, and I just, even at the time when I was fully bought in, I just remember thinking, Whoa. like, I don't know if this is the, like, I don't know if that's the, the angle you want to take on the crusades, dude. 
Dude, that's crazy. That's a, he's never an early adopter of this mentality. So respect there. I, uh, I, I again, th- I just I don't understand. I don't feel like I ever heard about the Crusades as anything other than like, yeah, this is when the church like sponsored a war over like a thousand years to go fight the Muslims over and over and over again. Yeah, like that I don't feel like it was ever portrayed as anything more positive than that. No, I mean, I remember taking the class uh, at Liberty where I got into it. I, I had to write about it, too. I picked that as a topic for one of my papers. And there are, of course, several crusades that, like you said, lasted quite a while. But even even that book that I had, you know, the ones that I was checking out of the Liberty Library were as the, as the crusades went on, they were almost less. They were painted less and less like Christian. Not really like I don't know. It, they had to like do a little bit more to entice people to get involved. I'm sure they had war fatigue at that point, but there was, I, I read plenty about how towards the later, the latter crusades, it was like, we would not, I say we, like it's the U S doing it like, or Christians. And like, I'm somehow a part of those crusaders, but the Christians would like, you know, go in, try to conquer the Islamic States. And then it, it talked about there. It talked about, the Muslims treatment of prisoners of war versus the Christians in the, a lot of the Muslim leaders were known for their, the way that they treated prisoners of war well, which was unusual for that time. And definitely not something that was, uh, it wasn't the way that the Christians were handling it. So I even remember writing about that and learning about that when I was at Liberty and like, so Liberty wasn't even trying to paint this picture uh, that, that this was a purely defensive tactic and a defensive move and that it was justified in some way. And, well, they treated their prisoners of war really bad. We were the good guys. And like, we, we just, you know, fed them three square meals a day. They didn't really try to like make any of that shit up or propagandize it or anything like that. Can we jump to the start of the next paragraph? Yes. I've been waiting for this. Favorite sentences in the entire paper, like the inquisition, the Crusades also were a mixed bag. A mixed bag what? of what? What's yeah. in this what bag? What are some other mixed Sociopathy, bags? Sociopathy, uh, neurosis, uh, narcissism. Vietnam, a mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> the War on Terror, a mixed bag. A mixed bag of dead bodies. Yes, a lot of people died, but, um, you know, Halliburton made a lot of money, and that's American jobs. <laughs> The economics of uh, southern uh, cotton plantations, a mixed bag. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it definitely was portrayed. That's I swear that's still being portrayed that way. Well, you know, not all slave owners uh, beat their slaves. And so you got to give credit where credit's Uh, due, right? If you heard the argument, uh, I forget which old racist senator said this. I think it was somewhat recently, though. They said, like, slavery, if you think about it, was one of the earliest forms of Social Security. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's like the argument that's like, well, you know, uh, you wouldn't be in the best and freest country in the universe if uh, it wasn't for you guys being forcibly brought over here and sold into servitude. So maybe you should be thankful for that. Also, by what metrics specifically are we measuring the greatest freest country? Like specifically, is it like the number of American flag capes that Kid Rock wears? Yeah. (laughs) Or the number of American flag guitars that he uses. Jeremiah, have you have you listened to the new uh, hardcore history episode about slavery? No, no, I I haven't. I only check to see if there's new hardcore histories like once every six months. Well, that's about the right time schedule, but okay. 
yeah, it's five and a half hours long, and it's Blitz it's, Human Resources. That's the name. Yeah, it's wild. Nice. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, All right. People, oh yeah. All right. Go ahead. No, I was gonna just carry on with a little more words from this article. Let's Says, do it. Yeah, uh, I feel like I want to make more progress because there's yeah. just so many good lines. We've got to get them all. All right. In many ways, the Crusades were a defensive war against Islamic armies that already conquered one third of Europe, disarmed the populace, limited their economic opportunities, and forbidden them from sharing the gospel beyond their own families. Often children yes. were taken from them, enlisted in the Islamic army, and forced to fight against Christians. This no is follower like- of yeah, sorry. This is like the biggest. Uh, we're only going to explain one half of this particular equation. Like in many ways, the Crusades right. were a defensive war. We're not saying that we were just trading countries back and forth with like the nations of Islam for hundreds of years. No, like it was our part was a defensive war. We would never forbid them from sharing their gospel. We wouldn't do that, but they were doing that to us. And we would never take anyone and like press them into servitude if from a nation that we conquered like they're doing to our children right well what's wild is they also paint this picture maybe not so much right here i think it comes up later but how um you know they had taken essentially they had taken the holy land back you know i think we already touched on it a little bit but it's like they the there is a irony to christians um fighting over the holy like that's again this is the anti-semitism right like christians think that they have the right to that holy land at that time so therefore they were willing to wage an entire war against another abrahamic religion to have that now you can argue that islam has more of a like uh are they have much more of a um a case to make about why that they should have some of that or parts of that or the holy land in general as opposed to Christians who have just displaced Jews since the beginning of time and acted like everything they have is theirs. So he seems to understand that perspective as well, just in the most tone deaf, logic dumb way, because his next <laughs> line it is no follower of Christ, nor anyone appreciative of peace or justice. Remember those words should have been content with Islamic occupation. So if we wanted to reword that. No follower of Christ nor anyone appreciative of peace, peace or justice should have been content with not violently driving out the other nations that live in the land that we think should be our land because of religious reasons. We yeah. love peace and justice, so we must drive them out of this land so we can have it. But <laughs> it's, it's the same thing that it always comes back to when we're talking about like the U.S. and law and, and you know, all of that stuff. It, it comes down to. What is your definition of being free to live as you want? You know, and I think for a lot of these people, you should be free to live as a good Christian and that's it. And if whatever you want goes outside of the lines of that, then it's not, you know, it's not constitutional and it shouldn't be protected. And in fact, we need to protect everyone else against what you want to do. Yeah, it's also uh, notable that I lost my place here. Oh, yeah. Um you know, his problem is the occupation of Christians. But it is worth noting that, you know, their Christian story comes from an occupied Jew. So it's, you it's know, almost it, like for all of human history, different humans have thought that they should have possession of land that other humans have for reasons. And there's always reasons, but it really comes down to we would like to be on that land instead of the land that we're currently on. And we think it's wrong that you are. 
yeah, it's yeah. the same well, thing over and over again. It's it's I don't know. This is just what yeah. humans do. Why are we trying to argue in favor of Christians from this? Because we need to dupe the this. serfs. We need to dupe the serfs into being all for it. We can't just be like straight up of we just want the land. Like what yeah, is funny too things. is that like he continually talks about like Islam and Islamic occupation and all of that kind of stuff. Doesn't really talk about the fact that they also like uh, exterminated or ousted Jewish populations along the way, and that plays a big role in like the Spanish Inquisition. Was they forced like I don't, I don't remember what it was two hundred thousand Jews two, yeah two hundred thousand Spain Jews. and 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 that never comes up in the article. Because, you know, it's well, uh, anti-Semitism isn't totally cool within these circles. But I think I think they cover it when they say uh, they were a mixed bag. I feel like that includes that <laughs> oh, encompasses. They were, they were oh, part bad. of that bag. I misread that. <laughs> like the next sentence, that says, unfortunately, Christians crusades against Islam also included instances of wanton violence, plus an idolatrous preoccupation with holy relics. That war had some instances of wanton violence. <laughs> Yeah, it was like entirely revolved around wanton violence. And, no, because and no, the war is honorable. The war is a crusade. The wanton violence is like, all right, well, you're not supposed to rape them once you conquer them. Like you can conquer them. You can kill them. Then you drive the women and children out of the land. You don't rape. OK, you can rape some of them. We're allowed to do that. The rest you have to drive out of the land. Like, dude, oh, of dude. all the things that he could call out about the Crusades, he's like an idolatrous preoccupation with holy relics. Like that's what he found fault with enough to talk about in this article. It's like they really wanted these doodads and trinkets. The, the Shroud of Turin. What, what can you do without the Shroud of Turin? I don't know. Isn't that what you wished for if you could uh, have any single object? Wasn't, that's what I ask for for Christmas every year. Okay. Yeah, I feel uh, like in I, one episode we we had like a if you could ask for any particular item from all of human history, what would you ask for? And you said the Shroud of Turin, and I said I want a sword. Okay, <laughs> I don't even I don't remember that at all. That's funny. I really want a lightsaber, but I will settle for a sword. I do really appreciate the way this he closes out this though because this paragraph because it's important. Um, because we know as Christians, what's what's the number one most important thing to do as Christians? Are you guys not going to answer? Uh, being a patriot? Spread the gospel? Yeah, there you go. Okay, Secondly, I didn't know if this was a joke question or no, like you're it's actually not. asking. So he goes, okay. this is a good reminder that not everything done in the name of Christianity is right. But as the same at the same time, we should avoid the opposite extreme of supposing that the that there was nothing good about the Crusades. Codes of chivalry promoted honorable leadership. Islamic imperialism was repelled. By Christian the, imperialism. The, the, yeah. And the gospel, again, could be preached without political restraint. I think Unless he's also you were part the, of the Inquisition that yeah. was also going on. <laughs> and he's missing the part where it's like, okay, what gospel? Like, what they're walking around trying to go gotcha to heretics and then killing them. Like, you're not... You're not pre. There's no no they traditional. Show up, they show up at the gates pre- of the city. Then they walk the leaders of the Islamic city through the Romans road. Okay, just like we learned it in our middle school Bibles class. 
they, they walk him through the Romans road. They ask him like who, who, you know, if you died tonight, where would you go? And then they ask everyone to like raise their hand, come to the front of the city. And only if that didn't work out, did they raise the city? Like they started with an altar call, but some, some people's hearts were hard. I don't know. What do you want me to I tell you? I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> just like standing outside playing just as I am for three hours. <laughs> and when nobody comes out and like, uh, and confesses their sins and stuff, they're like, all right, fire the trebuchets. <laughs> you guys asked for it. <laughs> I, there's this little bit from the, so, just getting into their crusades being merely defensive and them skirting over the fact that they had booted 200,000 Jews out of uh, Paris, right? Um, well, it's their fault for still being Jews because, okay, the New Testament fulfilled the Old Testament. So all of the Jews – oh, you mean the actual people group. Never mind. Yeah, heads, they uh, <laughs> so they were called um, – they called them conversos, which I thought was kind of funny. It's in the little piece here from uh, – something I pulled from the history channel that I thought was interesting. That, that was There's, Jews that had converted to Christianity, right? Under, yes. Yeah, by force, you. basically. Yeah. Uh, maybe not always entirely by force though, sure. uh, but there became a, a level of skepticism ab- about them because there's always that, that panic over, for some reason there's always some panic about the Jewish people uh, within Christianity. So he, this piece from the history channel says uh, in the late 15th century, uh, King Ferdinand II and Queen Isabella of Spain believed corruption in the Spanish Catholic Church was caused by Jews who, to survive centuries of anti-Semitism, converted to Christianity. Known as conversos, they were viewed with suspicion by old, powerful Christian families. These guys can't win. Conversos were blamed for a plague and accused of poisoning people's water and abducting Christian boys. I mean, people now we have the same the same like conspiracy theories yes. about Jews. This is yeah, back to like <laughs> like Hitler pogroms and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ferdinand and Isabella feared that even trusted conversos were secretly practicing their old religion. Like, what level of fucking delusionoid paranoia do you have to have to, like, constantly be wondering if they're practicing their old religion and be that butthurt by it? Like, the Jews are the one people who have never, well, maybe, you know, excluding a lot of the Old Testament. But since, you know, everyone (laughs) fucked them over, haven't done a whole lot to try to fight for anything back. This sounds sounds like some crusades apologism here. Yeah. (laughs) Except no. for the Old Testament, when have Jews ever gone to fight anybody? <laughs> well, I mean, they chronicle their uh, their conquests what or lack there. What about Israel? Are we the yeah, nation? Yeah, I think Israel? you want to be careful on that to? point, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's still that's still I the same I, argument that most people in the conservative church still fall for is the is the nation of Israel and the Jewish people from the Old Testament you're supposed to care about if you're a good Christian. Like they equate the two, like they're automatically the same thing, even though. Many Jews think that like nothing could be further from the truth. But yeah, I think I'm maybe misrepresenting myself here. No, I think I understand what you're saying. We're just jumping on it, making okay. An Don't my scare me on the cancel button. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared of that cancel button. Uh, I think this next paragraph we take a really a hard left turn or hard right turn actually. Um, as for science, <laughs> alt right, some might say. <laughs> now, now we were just talking about like the gospel can now be preached without political restraint. End of that thought. Next thought. Unless as for of science, course, your version of the gospel didn't fit in with the the implication. The implication. caveats, man. Caveats. The the real gospel, obviously, the true Scotsman. All right. So, as for science, the standard jab against the church is demonstrably false. 
So basically, he said, I have the documents. I have the documents right in front of me. I got the documents right here. (laughs) Church leaders sponsored the building of astronomical observatories. Christian intellectuals developed the world's first universities in which the old ideas of Aristotle and the newer ideas of what we call the Middle Ages were freely debated. The slave owners, they had to provide shelter and food for their slaves, okay? Oh, sorry. Benjamin Franklin was a Christian. And so what if he went to violent orgies? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, he just takes that turn into throwing out these things like, you can't say that the church doesn't like science. We built an astronomical observatory during a time where we really didn't know anything about the stars. Like Christian intellectuals developed the world's first universities. Again, I don't think that's true. Uh, I feel like there's some ancient civilizations in the BCE uh, time zone that, you know, might have had some different thoughts about that. Um, Like they make it sound like, well, I guess in their version of history, this is true. In the time of like the Renaissance and the Enlightenment and everything, this is basically where all of our modern ideas about higher education and philosophy and apparently uh, our judicial system and whatever just sprang into existence because that's maybe the time the modern church started forming itself out of like the bones of like, you know, late medieval Catholicism. Yeah. Well, in a time when to say that you weren't a Christian was to be ostracized from society, mm-hmm. many proclaimed Christians invented nice things. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, <laughs> even like B, I, I mean, it was a slight culture shock for me, even moving to Virginia for school where, Everyone's just like everyone I had met everywhere at Kroger in line at CVS. They were all Christians. Everyone. Um, that was my first experience with like being in a culture that was saturated in that way, right. and there, it wasn't really worth it for a lot of people to go against that grain. Um, even though you could tell that there were plenty of people where it was just a cultural identity and it didn't mean much. Outside Which was of true that, back then. About like, it. yes, that's what I'm that's saying. True. Like, that's, what, yeah. that's still a thing. It's there's still maybe. I mean, of course, there are some maybe variances, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still found that strange. I mean, that's the Bible Belt. That's what a lot of a lot of people have a hard time being in that area uh, where it's very culturally Christian after they've shifted out of that mindset. When the Bishop of Paris condemned 219 statements from Aristotle's work in 1277, this is good. The result was not so much censorship as freedom. University faculty and students now had space to develop alternatives to Aristotle's ideas about physics and astronomy. Oh my God, so, state-sanctioned ideas. The most, the most, the thing about freedom, freedom is chains, okay? You, what you need to do is free <laughs> yourself. free. You have to free yourself and and give yourself space to develop alternatives to the facts, because if you develop alternatives to them, that's really freedom is rejecting the evidence over here. So you can substitute something different. That is the the different thing that we think is a good thing. Well, yeah. And call me a knuckle dragger here, but like, what was the difference in timing between 1277 and when, when was Aristotle active? When was he alive? Uh, I'm going to look that up. That's a good question. I thought it was way before then. Um, Yeah. Born 384 BC, died 322 BC. So 900, they're, they're, they're 
they're basically declaring that pieces of a 900 year old idea are 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 wrong and can't be studied because i mean that's basically what it is when the when the bishop uh, condemned those 219 statements it basically means that they're not allowed to be taught right right yeah yeah they're, they're not allowed to be included in the bubble of things as acceptable cultural catholicism you know you you can be you can only be with us if you don't think these things are true publicly so, so when faculty and students had space to develop alternatives do you think that means they now had to develop alternatives because they couldn't talk about the other stuff like they didn't have space to do new thought they had to cut out all of this other information and then come up with something that couldn't have replace space it. for that yeah. thing in it yeah they they were you're forced to replace it at that point i mean it's like uh, i'm blanking on a current comparison that you could make but you okay um if you're like all the all, all the panic around critical race theory which is not a defined curriculum nor is it taught in schools it's like people are making are calling anything that is related to talking about race in school they're just blanket statement calling it critical race theory and trying to put a ban on it so that's one of those things where it will then i guess force people to come up with more creative ways and nuanced ways to dig into things that should be talked about even though they're barring you from using language and research that's previously been done so uh then the article gets to some more of the whole like did anything good ever happen before about 1200 when the church started really kicking it into high gear so they say in the late middle ages universities cultivated a form of debate called the disputation that required the presenter to make a fair-minded presentation of both sides and then provide clear reasons why he favored one view over the other um again that feels like have you ancient greece ancient rome yeah plenty of other cultures like you guys think you're the ones who came up with debate this like has been sides presenting an argument that's even been practiced in judaism for quite a long time like where you know because the jews are less monolithic in their beliefs uh I, not necessarily always but uh christianity you go to church and you have a guy say this is this is the truth i'm telling you the way that it is uh other people are wrong uh and if they're not wrong about these things that are deal breakers then you're still in you're just not you're just a little bit wrong and we'll hang out outside of this but but rabbis have off of uh for I've all, I've, I don't know if it's always, but it's, I mean, you, you can even still see this if you want to go back to the New Testament and the Gospels where it's like there was debate among about the religion within the, the temple. Like Jesus showed up for that and would have those discourses um, that like Jesus wasn't like the, bringing this brand new thing to the table. This is something that people have been doing. He might have brought new ideas or looked at things differently, but. The, that conversation, those debates have been carrying on forever because Levitical law wasn't particularly well-defined. So half of their time, like like uh, rabbis, Pharisees, Sadducees, they would all just converse about what these things meant and how to apply them to our lives. And um, I just think that's notable, like that still today, that tradition does carry on a lot of ways where a rabbi will be like, you know, this is one way to look at this 3000 year old passage. And then this is a new way that other people have looked at it and they might tell you which one they prefer, but it's like to act like that's unique to Christianity is so, so ridiculous. Well, 
when they were talking about Aristotle and like, you know, condemning the statements, you know, some of his statements in 1277, then they go on to say like, but they preserved Aristotle's large logical way of thinking, as did Martin Luther and Philip whoever during the 1500s. It's, it's like this continued tactic that he uses where he like, he downplays the negative aspect of what the church did and then immediately takes credit for something that the church had nothing to do with you know right like that like was the outcome case, like that there that happened to have had this outcome therefore the church is credited with it yeah and, and like saying universities cultivated a form of debate called the disputation like saying that universities cultivated that form of debate doesn't mean that the church was responsible for it. Like I have a pretty good feeling the church was still issuing, issuing edicts on every single aspect of life and, and trying to force people to abide by those rulings. It's almost as if, uh, you know, this is what humans do when they're not forced by a totalitarian government or church to accept certain things as fact, no matter what. Well, people then he dives into talk about it. And then he dives into like it, throwing out just the buzzwords that you'd expect, right? Where you know what the, they're just the dog whistles at that. It's like he says disputations fostered greater intellectual honesty and greater academic freedom than today's universities, where speech codes and political correctness stifle true debate. Yeah, what true debate has been stifled at Look, modern universities? You can't debate whether or not there were, uh, you know, some there were there were some good things about slavery. Like I don't know exactly. I, we keep going in the slavery direction. Some but. college kid threw a milkshake at Ben Shapiro, and that is indicative of all children in colleges. Yeah. Some, some of these universities don't want a uh, you know a thirty five year old who's skilled in the art of debate to come and like try to trip up a bunch of teenagers and rip into them for the sake of his YouTube channel. Because they're scared of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even just using the word, like using the words speech codes and political correctness to stifle true debate. I, there's this uh, misunderstanding on uh, this, uh, on this person's side of the aisle that uh, not entertaining ridiculous untruths and talking about them is the same as stifling debate. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's a middle ground here because there is a, there are situations where I feel like that policing goes way too far, mm-hmm. and I I still think I mean people should be able to talk about their ideas and discuss them and stuff like that, but not having not wanting to have someone speak at your college about flat Earth or something like that is not the same as stifling their views. Right, right, and, and I, the free market of ideas like. The free market of ideas can tell you your ideas suck or are loathsome and they don't want to talk about them. Like it doesn't mean your debate is being stifled so much as maybe you hold a fringe view and it's being treated like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, the the flip side of that is when fringe views take hold that are that do cause problems you have to figure out like right but i'm just saying it's not like if you have a lot of people like aggressively pushing back on you for something that you want to discuss it's possible this isn't a 50-50 situation. Like this may not be a, I've got yeah. my perspective and you just have your perspective. It could be right, there's right. the common perspective that almost everyone thinks and then you're a dick and yes. <laughs> you think something's terrible. 
Right. Yeah. Because uh, it also to to act like academic institutions owe it to their student body to and to have debates or conversations around things that don't don't really fit into the world of academia. And I think like, okay, like mm, what's a good example. That's not, it's there. All these, every example ends up being politically charged. uh, But I don't think that's necessarily the uh, academia's fault, but even take, um, you know, global warming. Um, It's just like, you could, you, the debate around that now is what, that whether or not people, are responsible for it. Like it, it doesn't seem like anyone's denying that it's happening. They're now oh, no, people definitely are, but well, uh, like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's less mainstream to deny that it, it is more mainstream to be like, well, it, do we really know? Is it cyclical or did humans cause it? Or it's the like yeah. wringing our hands of, well, whose fault might it be? Because then we don't have to do anything. Right. But so I'm guess what I'm getting at is in an academic institution where, you know, you focus on data and empirical evidence, is it worth having a conversation or, or uh, about whether or not we've done things, uh, humanity has done things to cause global warming? Like, do you want to, you can go to an academic institution that might go that way, like Liberty for sure. And you can, they can, you, you can choose to go there and you can have those beliefs, but I don't, I don't think it's, un, I think what this guy's using, uh, the, when he's using the language around stifling free speech um, that's just not the, the same as an academic institution saying right. it's not worth our time in the sense of fairness to host a debate between someone who has an idea that's empirically considered false and then what the evidence. Right. Because also when you present support. two ideas for debate, you are in essence saying that these are two things that should be equally considered by everybody. And in a lot of these cases, they just aren't. Even if it's not equal, it could be like, this, it just depends on who's, who's if 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 the college has someone coming there to speak, who's a firebrand or whatever else, and this you know a small group of students shut down the campus to keep the guy from speaking. Like I think that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know. But like a, a campus being approached by Millionopolis about you know making a stop on his book tour, and they're like, "No, nah, I'm good." We don't we don't want to host that here. Right. That's that's a different situation. It just all depends. Like, what is the group of people that are supporting the institution want out of this? And if they don't want it there, then then don't have. It. Yeah, I do feel like we're in this period of time. I, mean, I guess we've always been here. It's not new. Uh, I think it's easier to access information or that is probably incorrect but you know we're sitting here talking about the inquisition where people like us lay people just show up to church on sunday you were born and raised into this thing and you hear this you get this you get that narrative passed down to you we look back on now and know that it was emphatically false incredibly wrong and really fucked up but most of the people in that situation didn't know uh so i don't want to be the whole like do the whole chronological snobbery thing and act like this is a new problem that people haven't dealt with before. We've people have basically been at the mercy of the institutions that hand out information. Uh, so obviously there are mostly plus sides to being in the age of information, even if it makes bad information equally as accessible. 
This is something that Sam and I have gone around and around with. We talk about this times. all the time off air. Because he's like, what but... if it's if it's fully if it's completely false and and demonstrably false and there's every evidence saying that it is false, then it shouldn't be allowed to be around. And my my it's... view is that you can't prove that it's completely false to people who believe it, and right. you can't combat those ideas by just not letting anyone say them or publish them or anything else. You but eh, I'm going to push back on that because there is reasonable. It's working out really well so far. Let's just say that it's it. I mean, there's been studies done on and I'll find them and I'll share them and I will post it in the discord and we can talk. And I will disregard them because (laughs) when it comes to this meme meme from my extreme memes to convert non-patriots page on Facebook that's not run by a Russian bot farm gave me a meme that I feel like really unseats all this research that you just posted that I will not read because I do not understand. (laughs) Save your breath. I've already decided. How's that? I've already seen a summary of this article (laughs) in a video on (laughs) band.news. I don't need to read it. Bit shoot. That's the new one. Is that one bit shoot? No. Is it like Substack? I don't know what it is. I keep getting articles sent to me on bit shoot. And there are always. It sounds like bit shoot. a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I heard. Friends, I know a lot of you out there are small business owners. I know a few of you are musicians or artists. Regardless of which camp you fall into, eventually you're going to want to put out some custom merchandise. But the prospect of getting a design together and going through one of these impersonal, large-scale websites can be intimidating and tedious. And that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Minor Threads. Minor Threads is a North Texas-based custom printing company that is able to help you get your logo, your company's branding information, your design onto almost anything. Maybe you want to order some shirts, some stickers, banners, maybe enamel pins. The merch game's crazy these days. Minor Threads can help you with all sorts of promotional products. They also specialize in custom printing with low minimums. That can be great if you're a small company just looking to put in a small order. And for our environmentally friendly friends out there, uh, they have plenty of eco-friendly options as well. So if you're ready to take that step and get some merchandise, go to minorthreadco.com and request a quote. Mention this ad and you get up to 15% off custom print orders over 100 bucks. 15%. So again, go to minorthreadco.com and tell them your boys at Grown Up Christian sent you. I feel like the next paragraph is maybe a wash, but there's some good stuff coming up if we want to. Keep I feel going. yes. Let's we can skip over some of this. You know, he says like a little bit more of what we talk. Uh, uh, I the like propaganda he, really kicks back up in the uh, third to last paragraph. I think that's yeah. So is I the church. Wonder- necessarily hostile to science certainly not again i don't think this is how this article started out like we started out with were the crusades bad and now we're on does the church hate science here's why you don't have to feel bad about anything right exactly christianity teaches that god created the world and that god gave people eyes to see and minds to think and that about covers it right Modern science was founded upon this doctrine of creation. Okay. When some scientists turn against their creator, promoting evolutionary theories, then of course tensions emerge. 
But Some that's scientists. not the fault of genuine science nor the fault of biblical Christianity. Out of curiosity, some some scientists, is there like a number that gets you like a little bit closer to how many scientists some is? Is it more than 99% or less? Oh, it's, <laughs> I would say the sum is about 98% of scientists have turned ah, against God. Okay, gotcha. Just, it just leaves the 144,000 scientists who still believe in the water canopy. <laughs> so this tactic... Um, all right. This tactic is fun because it's the one, it's the answers in Genesis tactic, right? True science is science that falls. It comes from a, uh, a biased perspective of that, you know, there's a unmoved mover or some shit like that. It's like, but I, this is, um, it's not just employed by organizations like answers in Genesis when talking about why they're real, because people always, people want to tell them they're not real scientists and they get really offended by that. Because, of course, everybody has some bias, but a lot of scientists, you know, one set out to prove something wrong, not prove necessarily something right. There's probably an equal balance of that. Um, and then also, like, there's there, um, there's obviously people who are tied to their ideas to the point where they're like set up experiments and they don't work. And they're like, I think this is true. So they do it again. It doesn't work. Eventually, they're forced to abandon the idea due to failed experiments. But I think what's fun about something like the answers in Genesis approach, which is we start from the premise that of course, what we believe is true and we will never abandon that belief. And anything that doesn't fit into it is clearly just doing science wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and Christianity employs these tactics throughout this whole system. Like I was, I was uh, in it with some people on Twitter recently. Just, I guess I was bored enough to quit yeah, back and forth that? a little bit, but uh, it was, you know, constantly the responses were, uh, you're not a real Christian because you don't believe X, Y, and Z, which is fine. Then I'm, I'm happy to not be a Christian by their standards. It doesn't bother me at all. But they, it's that same mentality of like the true, the real thing that this is, is only in the way that we understand it and everything. And that, you already mentioned, it's Jeremiah. No true, no true Scotsman. Yeah. 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 It's yep. just not, doesn't work. It, it at some point, something has to give, or well, I guess it doesn't, and you insulate yourself. And he says exactly that. what should give in the next sentence. Christianity encourages science so long as scientists do not reject the creator. Yeah. We want you to so learn awful. everything you possibly can, as long as you look at it through this one lens. Then you Which was anything you want. All of our scientific science education in middle and high school, right? But he's trying to bring it home. Christianity supports the proper administration of justice, which sometimes, but certainly not always, occurred <laughs> during the Inquisition. Again, we're back to like the, it was a mixed bag. The war crimes, mixed bag. Sure, a lot of families got gassed. However, there's no longer as big of a food shortage in Liberia because we bombed it. You're welcome. Like, it's, I'm not saying it's the exact same mentality, but... I feel like he's just desperately trying to land the plane. Yeah. Christianity yeah. recognizes that war may be waged justly in self-defense, which again, sometimes, but not always was the case during the Crusades. Oh my <laughs> <Mixed> God. Mixed bag. <laughs> Christianity is also more than all these things. He's a trail mix guy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> just that mixed bag. I yeah. really hate the the last paragraph and I want to talk about something specific yeah. I think it's doing in it. But I guess this yeah. is what I was kind of trying to just get at too. Oh, okay. All right. I'm curious if we're thinking the same thing. 
Oh, okay. Well, let's read through it. Uh, Christianity should never be defined by whatever people who call themselves Christians happen to do, whether good or ill. Nor should Christianity be equated with a virtuous living, though, of course, that is an expected fruit of faith. Christianity is founded not upon human actions, but rather upon the words and works of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. He got to slip the gospel message in here uh, to your parishioners who already believe this. <laughs> to so. the people who get this 18-page pamphlet from the Lutheran Sentinel. Let's yeah. go ahead and get an altar yeah. call in. <laughs> if to win forgiveness for all people, the gospel of redemption is the heart and soul of Christianity. Medieval hymns cherishing the gospel message illuminated people's hearts throughout the so-called dark ages. The same Bible-based lyrics enlighten us still today. That's okay. I d- what is that last line? Medieval hymns. What is he talking about? I, I he's trying to he's trying to land the plane. And it goes way off. I, I have a really big issue with this whole paragraph. But I don't know. I feel like I can talk about this for a few minutes, so I can wait if I need to. Oh, no, go for it. Go text. off, kid. Okay. So, I feel like this is a like an excuse or a a way of wimping out that Christians use a lot of the time when they're making arguments, not always about political things, but I think it happens a lot politically. The end of the argument or the end of their pitch, like of a pastor talking about, you know, giving their pre-election sermon or whatever that they're going to do every year. They're not going to come out and just say, vote for this person, or at least up until, you know, the last five years, maybe not. Yeah. It's always going to be shrouded in this whole, like, well, here's what God teaches us about freedom, or here's what the Lord teaches us about democracy, or here's what the Bible has to say about. And they have to just force it through this Christian lens where they obfuscate the thing that everyone's thinking and everyone's just going to do anyway through, we'll just do whatever the Lord leads you. And if that is to vote straight Republican, like we've been subtly reinforcing for the past 50 years, you should vote straight Republican, but use the excuse of, this is how the Lord leads me or here's what we think God's candidate is. It just always happens to be the candidate from this one party. Like it's, I don't think this is not really a hot take, but I don't think people are really offended that people have sincere Christian beliefs. A lot of the time it's the things that they do or the ways that they hide behind those beliefs to try to camouflage to themselves and to everyone else, the person that they actually are. Yeah. Like yes. if you're just going to vote mainline conservative Republican, no matter what, just say it. Like, don't don't hide it behind what does God want? You think he wants this one very specific thing and you don't really care about anything, including his own words that imply that that's not the case. Like, you think God is this conservative, capitalist, free market, like supply side economics, Jesus, and anything that doesn't fit into that mold, you have to hide behind like, you know, well, as Christians, we just need to pray for whoever becomes president, who I sincerely hope is w- only one of the two parties every single time. Like, it's just own it. Like, you you should be able to say, I have these sincere, I have this sincere faith and these principles that I believe God has commanded us to live our lives by. And it disgusts me that the best option out of these two political parties is still terrible in all of these ways. However, I feel like I still need to vote for them because of these reasons. But- so much of this is like spitting in the face of this faith that I hold so dear that controls my whole destiny and all this other stuff. I can respect that, right? Like, I, I get it. That's somebody who actually has those beliefs and they're sticking to them while acknowledging that sometimes that leaves you with choices that you don't really like. Not just trying to whitewash those choices in like, well, this is the the holy choice. Not like this is the least of two horrible choices that I believe aligns up 10% more. Like I can respect those people. I just cannot respect this argument. This is just, it's wimping out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
the the whole like I don't know like summing this entire article up with you can't really judge Christianity by Christians actions and you can't equate being a Christian with living a perfect life because you know even if that is something that we all strive what is this article for like what's left after that well yeah and and like none of us your conscience if you were guilty if you're one of the people who feels guilty about the inquisition or the crusades congratulations you don't have to and anybody who complains about them or like says the church did these bad things well you have these really stupid arguments that you can regurgitate back at them like well you can't judge all christians by the actions of the state church 800 years ago like duh everyone understands that you just don't want to have to consider the bad things in your own past because you're lumping it into this monolithic viewpoint yeah i i just it's it's so weird to like throw that point in after making excuses for some of the like worst points in the church's history. You can't you can't judge all you know Christianity by the you know the actions of Christians in the 1200s. Like, well, yeah, no, I mean that is a logical point. And if somebody that you're talking to about Christianity just can't get over the fact that the crusades happen like then just don't maybe there's no common ground between you and this person like you don't have to whitewash the crusades to still be a christian and not feel bad about it like you don't have to explain this away just say yeah i don't know it was a dark period i think it was people taking advantage of you know using the the authority granted to them through the church to do awful things that furthered their other ambitions that's it that's all anybody needs to hear and and it's done it's over you know like if all of this comes down to you can't judge christianity by the actions of christians then stop justifying the actions of christians stop right. doing it <laughs> you do not need to apologize for people that lived you know, a thousand years ago. So stop doing it. And yeah, I feel I, like that's where we are with so many things where it's like, you know, I can understand a, a lot of the people that I know are very conservative Republican voting people. Right. And that's why they're good people. They are good people. And that's most of the people I'm around. I don't want these people to defend Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever else, whoever the worst actors are on that side, disavow them. Just be like, ah, yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. Here's what's important to me. I just want to, you know, I want low taxes and, you know, better business situations. So, you know, whether or not that's the case or not, just as example, Right. right? But this, this feeling of like, you have to circle the wagons around one of your own when they're being insane is a stupid impulse that we need to get rid of. Yeah. I I think what I find annoying about his closing paragraph, well, is like what you said in that you're saying you don't have to just like you, you can't base Christianity on the actions of some, but then you go through all these lengths to justify it. But there is like, I think that it's like, I don't know if that impulse comes from because people aren't taking us seriously enough, or if the impulse comes from, uh, something like we were told and taught about sanctification. Is that something you are both still familiar with? Not incredibly. Mm, put it to, put the pieces together for me, daddy. Okay. So it was like, use that degree. You become a Christian 
and then over the process of your life, you are continually sanctified by God. You mm-hmm. are supposedly going to be a better Christian. You are going to, the, the sinful ways of your past are going to shed and it's a process, but that's why it's like, it's an ongoing process and you never achieve perfection, but you are on the up and up. Your mind is being transformed to be more like Christ's. That doesn't play out in anyone I've ever met ever. I don't see that really much at all. Uh, and I think that's why people have this impulse to say, I'm not saying it doesn't. Of course, people, I got saved. I gave up drugs. I gave up alcohol. Now I do. But I can find plenty of shitty things about those people. And I don't want to be around them. And I won't it, like basing Christianity on like what they say or do like that, you know, that guest speaker that your church brings in. It's just like, don't tell me how much your mind has been transformed to be more like Christ like that. And you, you can do that. You could do that in that setting and you can align it with what people think it means to be a Christian. And you can confirm their bias that they're on the right track and they can say in that in group and that insular mindset. And that's what is what most churches are. It's also what mostly everything is. It's not just church. That mindset plagues everything and it can be more wrong or right in certain places, but the impulse by people is generally the same, which is to be uh, shitty to other people. Uh, And (laughs) I don't, I don't see a difference in, in Christianity and things out of it. And I think that's why his impulse to, to say that you can't judge Christianity by other people's actions, but then try to make that justification is because if this is true, if our if people's li- like there should be an arc towards something bigger, better, more beautiful, more Christian, more Christ-like, and we don't see that arc in Christianity throughout history. It's just not there. Um, if anything, it's a benign force. Uh, and I think for me personally, I'm okay with that. Like so, going back to this Twitter conversation, it's like I the whole thing got started because someone made a basically was wondering whether or not. Uh, your faith or anything matters, like would if it would change if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I was like, no, it doesn't because I don't intel- I don't have any intellectual belief or knowledge that he did. Like, but I still call myself a Christian. So the pile on was, you're not a Christian. You can't be a Christian if you deny. Well, what do you what do you think? Do you deny the deity of Christ? It's like, yeah, kind honestly, probably. I'm on the fence about that too. So it's like you're not a Christian if you don't. And I get that. Like that's fundamentally different than what. Uh, historical Christianity says, and I know I'm going forever, but I'm going to wrap this up because my, like they're talking about Christianity as though it's, it's like this, it became an established religion based on tenets, based on doctrine and based on theology. But the, it don't, the only, the word even started just because a bunch of people saw people acting a certain way and those people all happened to say that they followed Christ. And what were they doing? Great things. Starting their own communities, taking care of each other, being there for each other. There was no established theology. There was honestly no idea, no real deification of Christ yet at that point. There was no necessarily a full-blown belief in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what Paul was propagating at that time. But those communities established long before he wrote letters about it, a century after Jesus died. Well, seven, like Sixty years, maybe seventy years, or forty. I don't know. I forget. Uh, but either way, my point is that's what I guess that's what matters to me. It's like, is it? What? what, what why spend all this time and energy defending Christianity? Like, if and and 
harking on whether or not they fall into these right beliefs or wrong beliefs. When the, you're saying, when you know your religion started simply because of the way people acted, regardless of their belief. I think it, I think almost everything comes down to like a, what does this mean for me? Like nobody's making big decisions about their religious affiliation or their worldview or their spiritual outlook because what, because of what the group has done over the millennia, you know, nobody's making decisions about what they think about Christianity because of what the Christian church has done over the course of the last hundred years or 300 years or 2000 positive way that that can only hurt you. It can't really help you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you know, people are making these like, and that's what's, that's, what's funny to me about all of these kind of articles, whether we're talking about this or like the, the gospel coalition one that we talked about, about like the five reasons that people, uh, you know, deconstruct it's, this is not written for someone who's not a Christian and they're struggling with the, you know, the crusades or the inquisition. And that's, what's holding them back from really committing themselves to Christianity. Like we buy into all of this stuff for, for somewhat selfish reasons. And I don't think that's totally bad, but like people are, are joining a church or adopting a worldview or whatever, because it's, it's, a plan for them. Like, this is what's missing from my life. This is why this is all screwed up. And this is all screwed up is like, I need structure. I need principles. And this is going to help me through my personal problems. So, you know, boom, I'm, I'm investing myself full, full force in it. And I feel like this, this whole segment of of articles and stuff like that from the from different sects of the church it's just like ideological masturbation it's like i want to feel like the church is good like i'm already committed and i'm a christian and nothing you say could cause me to falter in my beliefs but that's not enough for me like i need to feel like the church is a benevolent institution that only does good over time and in order to do that I need to fix some of these dark spots in the timeline. Like this is not written for the unbeliever who is trying to figure out what to think of the crusades. This is written for the person who like just wants further confirmation and certainty that like Christianity is the end, the beginning and the end and it's everything and it's all right. I even think that's maybe even a charitable interpretation. I think there's also a fear response in this. There's a like a reinforcement of you're not crazy. Don't worry about it. You're not crazy. Like you you can be okay with this thing. You can be bought into the system because that that bad thing that's not as bad as you think it is. Like that bad thing's okay. Don't worry about it. Like I think there's a, a I think that's more than a little bit of this. Is it's stay the course. You know. Don't don't listen to that thing over there that is making some points that seem like they're kind of making. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't don't criticize yourself. Don't really challenge your worldview. Like we'll throw up these critiques, which if all you've ever been is immersed in this belief system, maybe some of these critiques seem like they're like pretty cutting. Like maybe he thinks they're really throwing up an an opposition to the Crusades and the Inquisition saying this is what the other party believes. But we all heard that, right? Like how many creationist videos could you watch that presented 
the evolutionary argument in a way they're like, well, what idiot would ever believe that? Right. Well, right. You would be an idiot if you believed that version, <laughs> but that's not the version that you'd actually get taught. It's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, the fear, I think the fear, those fear based reactions are there. There's that I need to stay the course. There's, but again, I do. I think it comes down to a lot of if if what I believe is true, if what I believe about Jesus is true and the way he changes lives and how good Jesus was then how can you you have to either say that you either make excuses for it or you say, well, those people weren't true Christians or like you have to like you have to insulate yourself from that in some way to make it not to have it not have a real effect on you and your belief. Which is working against the supposed goals of the church. I think people would be have a lot fewer issues with them if they would just come out and be like, yeah, that stuff was bad. Yeah, the Christians who did that back then, they called themselves Christians, but we don't believe they were living by the tenets in the Bible and they were wrong. Like, and we're trying to do better. Like, that's all we can say is we, we're trying to follow this book and the Lord we believe it contains and we've gotten it wrong in the past. And all we can say is we're trying to do it right today. Like people actually yeah. would respect that as long as it's not hurting other people. It's not that complicated, but yeah, everyone I, always falls back to that. No, I didn't. I yeah, didn't think it's not a, my fault. I think it's a bit of a tough sell in some ways for people to do that because uh, then you have to call attention to your own life and, and allow people to see you uh, juxtapose your life up against the tenets and teachings of Christianity and, and as well. Like, so if you're like, well, that was, that wasn't great over there, but like, you know, what we're doing now is different. It's like, Oh, what are you doing in your life then that makes this so magical and true? Like how, how, like how can I, ex it becomes something that they just generally experience and feel is true. Uh, and mm -hmm. it doesn't often inform, like I don't, it doesn't often inform your life in a way that allow that li makes you live it maybe differently than uh, most people. Uh, I I've noticed very little differences in people as a whole, from Christian to atheist to any whatever religion you want. You go ahead and name it. Like I would I would say that like on based on percentages, they're all equal percent asshole. They're all equal percent do like trying. They're people all people are people. Is it, yeah. So uh, what I think, and I haven't fleshed this out a bunch, but I, what I think and when I think your religion and your faith becomes meaningful and important or to me, to the way I see it affect your life. Now I have different standards than somebody else, you know, you know, your, your alt writer will say, I like the way that you live out your faith and the way that you showed up to the Capitol on January 5th, because our, our democracy was at stake and, but like you can have someone who would say to me that that action matters. And that shows me that you are you're a good Christian. Um, of course, I as a Christian will have a different belief. So you just kind of start like washing over words at that point. Uh, and I just continually find myself feeling like words um, and beliefs are all arbitrary. Like it's a your belief is like a mechanism or for, I think most people are building their belief system around the way they live and want to be in a way. I think that's what most people are doing. They're not allowing their belief system to challenge them in a meaningful way. They're, uh, they're co-opting a belief system to make them feel like they are part of the in-group. So if, You're good if your belief system isn't challenging you to go outside of your box, your comfort zone, uh, and, and go and extend yourself to take care of somebody else and put yourself out for it, then your belief system, it, it doesn't, it's probably not what you think it is. Uh, if it's Christianity, especially. 
I think what's what's crazy about uh, yeah, I I think the, these are such like human trends. Mm-hmm. Like they're not specifically Christian or anything else. And it's it's funny to me to see things like mirrored on in totally unrelated communities, but that have like the same vibe to them. You know, like I think it's it's pretty universally held now that like saying, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you after something awful happens is yeah. is a it's meaningless. It's dumb. Like, what are you talking about? You know? It, it doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't cost anything. doesn't mean anything. And you've seen a lot of people do that kind of th- thing with like the, the war in Ukraine right now. Yeah. It's like, oh, our thoughts and prayers. Like Christian Nightmares posted a video this week. I think we shared it. We, we sent it back and forth to each other. But it was, uh, it was a young girl. And she was singing like this praise song to the people of Ukraine and, you know, asking them to look toward Jesus and he will deliver them and be there for him and stuff. And it's like, people are just like massacring this person in the comments and stuff. And rightfully so it's ridiculous, right? It's a ridiculous thing to do. But then like, I've seen so many people post, like, like change their profile picture or, you know, post like supportive messages and they're like raising awareness about this and that and the other. And it's like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It doesn't have this like, you know, millennia long ideological baggage attached to it, but it's like the same thing. Like it's not doing anything. Same as singing a praise song about the people of Ukraine. I I feel like they're human trends that like, people just fall into and it's more about you than it is about whatever group that you're like purporting to help or support or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure. Like, I think it can be more about the people doing it. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know the motivations entirely that lie behind. Um, I guess it's different know. if you're trying to sell your religion to people who are fleeing a war zone. That yeah. is, that is yeah. true. Okay. That's, that's a, yeah, that's I a different that's thing. A, that's a different thing. And I, I always feel bad. Like I've, like I've, um, I'm saying that I don't value people's belief systems or I think everything they say is untrue or that only actions express your belief. I don't think that's true. I think people act outside of what they say they believe frequently. I certainly do. I have this, I have ideological belief, a belief system that's built on ideology and how I want to be. And then I have what I actually do. So I don't want to just like throw everyone under the bus or throw an entire religion under the bus or religions. Like I, I think that there's value in them. I think, um, but again, I think it comes down to how they challenge you or like when you look at Christianity and you read, even just like most people will just go to the Sermon on the Mount as a quick example. And you just don't see like these types of things really expressed in Christianity writ large. Uh, and that doesn't, I, I, I personally still am a Christian simply because in my, it's all has to do with the way you experience it in some way, the way I've experienced life. And when I'm aligning myself with, a, a, when I'm living in a way that I've find myself most whole and at peace. I can also relate that to Christianity as I've experienced it. Um, And so, yeah, of course I'm using it for my own, but then you have a bunch of people who can say, well, because you, 
you're not getting on board with these tenets or this belief or that theology. Therefore, you're not a true Christian, which sure. Is anyone a true anything? You know, is uh, like we're all we're using is metaphor. It's all I think that's all it is, is we're like we're grafting towards metaphors that explain our feelings and our beliefs about how the world should work. I think that's all we're doing. Um, perhaps even the guy who wrote this article is trying to do that, but not quite so. In, he seems with like the he intellectual does a lot honesty of that you would stuff. expect from a Ph.D. I've looked up a lot of his things and just from like skimming through titles and stuff, so much of what he does appears to be apologetics. And that seems that's like a focus of his. So yeah, if you have a PhD in apologetics, I don't want to burst any bubbles out there, but that's not a real PhD. He has a PhD (laughs) of history and philosophy of science from the University of Notre Dame. Oh, and a a master's in confessional Lutheran theology from Bethany Lutheran Theological Seminary. So he doesn't have an excuse is what you're saying. And he's the director of apologetics and worldview studies at uh, a Lutheran college. I just don't trust people who are into apologetics. No, I don't trust. It's just people. like school doesn't make you useful. <laughs> <laughs> I, it comes out like if you so what you change someone and they go, okay, I now believe that what you said is true. You're like, hey, you can't be saying nothing matters if you don't accept that Jesus died and rose again. And you go, okay, I believe that now. You're like, oh, good. Well, now we're good. Everything's fine now. Like it's this, this like that phony idea of like, you can just like flip that switch, believe the right thing. And now you're on like the straight and narrow is so goofy, which is why I find Christianity getting so hung up on a set of beliefs to, to be a distraction for the most part. It's a lot to sort through. You're nodding your head in weird ways, Jeremiah, and you have a smirk, so I can't tell where. You, oh no, no, no! At. I'm just, I'm just taking it in. I'm just thinking, like, I think it's telling that it's a career path. Apologetics is a career path that like only works if you have something to discuss in perpetuity. Like, yeah, I, you have to find stuff to have a problem with. God, right? And, and I'm looking at all these like books and papers and things, and I'm like, I, I guess that's all of it is. Is just you're singling out things and going like, well, I have to have an opinion on this. I have to make this about Christianity or Christianity about this. like Or anytime someone feels like that, oh, I could never be a Christian because then all of a sudden they're like antennas perk up and they're like, right. Which I have to to get involved. That's a legitimate thing, but no one's saying that about the crusades or the inquisition. Like we've been there like slavery. Yes. That would be one. You could still have that argument about with like the modern church, but like nobody's no, nobody was defending the crusades. I didn't think, Apparently, there's like the apologetics group. What else is the apologists? Like, are apologetics apologists? Maybe people who are arguing with Christian apologists are bringing up the Crusades and the Inquisition a whole bunch. Well, Maybe that that's just sounds hung like up with it. a cycle of miserable people making each other miserable. <laughs> oh, it does. It sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think the Christian – okay, this guy, a Christian apologist – what do you think he equates himself to? Do you think he thinks of himself as like the uh, like the watcher on the wall, like protecting the flock? Or do you think he thinks of himself as like a crusader out conquering more ground for Christ? Back to the word crusade. I like it. Yeah. What What is this I, guy to himself? He's a gate. It's, I feel like he's just like a gatekeeper. Like there's a lot of reasons that the world will throw at you to not believe. Uh, and I'm going to just... I'll just boom, 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 shoot all those down. I don't know. And you kids think gatekeeper is negative, but in this case, gatekeeper is a very important position. 
<laughs> yeah, like a goalie. He's like a goalie. That's great. Goalie. I like <laughs> Christian goalie. Um, I feel like I that think, Crusades puck is going right through his legs. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't know any of the closing thoughts on this. Uh, I, I would like to point out something that just quickly when he talks about Christianity, Christianity supports the proper administration of justice, which sometimes, but certainly not always occurred during the inquisition. That's a, I just kind of want to call out quickly that he does. He's saying specifically that he believes the proper administration of justice is killing people for heresy. Or no, he gives himself the out. He gives himself the out of like, well, not everything was good, but won't specifically say like, hey, maybe it was okay within the church's teaching. Like it was good to roll up and ask like, where are the heretics? And we need to make you, you know, be re-educated or something. Like he could say that was okay, but like not the torturing and the killing were obviously terrible. But he just, he hand waves away with like, some things like torture happened and you know, that's bad, of course, but like, won't just come out and go, this was a travesty. I also like this yeah. thing. Like in order for it's, him to like the whole thing, he feels like he has to excuse the whole thing. The intent was kill heretics and they did that. And he's like, well, you know, sometimes justice is a bitch, I guess. <laughs> hey, um, you know, to their credit, they invented waterboarding. No, no <laughs> way. Good for them. Congrat. That's pretty special. Do you guys want to thought, do you want to round out this discussion by talking about some of the uh, many ways that people were tortured? Yes. Yeah, definitely. that's a great way to close. Which, okay, so which, we, just so we're clear, wasn't good, right? It just it depends it all on depends on where you sit, okay. buddy. Yeah, okay, some people bag, deserve it. Bag. All right. Yeah, all right. it's a mixed bag. <laughs> okay, Frozen so cards. we already covered the Judas cradle. Which is the pyramid-shaped chair? That's that, wild. Uh, Who names that? <laughs> the Judas chair, because you betrayed Christ, and you have to sit in the chair of the Christ betrayer. I feel like, by definition, you're cradling the chair more than it's cradling you. You know what I mean? It, the chair is cradling your asshole. Uh, right, right. Yeah, it's kind of a chicken or the egg sort of thing. Mm. Um, okay, so waterboarding. Um, Okay, it says, uh, the patient strangled and gasped and suffocated, and at intervals, the toka, which is referred to the piece of cloth that covered the victim's face. So that's the toka. The toka was withdrawn and was adjured to tell the truth, and he was adjured to tell the truth. The severity of the infliction was measured by the number of jars of water consumed, sometime reaching six or eight. So, not fun, but you will stay hydrated. I feel like the CIA isn't really even that creative. Like with all the stuff they do, like they're not even doing stuff as cool as medieval torture. CIA doesn't have a Judas cradle. They just lock you They're just worried about war crimes and shit. Come on. Yeah. They should have like operation paperclipped some of Saddam's kids, you know, get some (laughs) new ideas out of the whole thing. There was the Spanish donkey. Uh, oh, wait, should we play a separate game called Is it a sex act? I used his torture device. <laughs> the Judas Cradle. <laughs> the Spanish Donkey. The punch. Spanish Donkey. Yeah, we should have. Okay, so we should have done that. And then I should have had you guys like draw what you think it is, you know, before <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> that would be oh, a fun oh. like video stream. A, a, a weird game of Pictionary. So this was like a. Uh, it was like a wedge-shaped 
sawhorse type thing. It was basically a chair with no back on it that's long and skinny and and triangular. And you would sit on it and straddle it. Sometimes it had spikes on it. And they would put like weights on your legs and stuff. Oh my God. For the Lord. And that's what I like is this is all in the name of the Lord. What did the well, people, hey, look, what are you a Jew or not? <laughs> what did the people who designed this stuff do in the space between the dark ages and like becoming airline seat designers? Like what, where were these skills festering? Daydream and jerk off, probably kill some animals. <laughs> yeah, definitely some animal cruelty in this mixed bag. <laughs> they drove one over the road truck and kept a uh, prostitute in the back of it. <laughs> uh, okay, so the strapado, it was a popular torture method during the Inquisition, primarily because it was easy to do. It involved tying a person's hands behind his or her back and suspending the person's full rate by the wrists using a pulley Ooh. system. So basically they'd like tie your hands behind you and then like, oh. again, like I think that, that literally up. is a sex thing. <laughs> like, I think that one actually works for both. <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't, you couldn't do that to me without just all of my bones breaking. I'm like the least <laughs> flexible person there is. They mastered it. I think that's, what's so innovative about these torture devices is like, they're they're not going to let you die by mistake. I mean, maybe at the start when they first start, you know, with the prototypes, but that's not their intent. Some well, say you the church stifled from- innovation, but I say <laughs> look at the strapano. <laughs> the strapano? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yes. Um, okay. The water cure. Okay, so let's see. Victims of the water cure were strapped down and had water funneled into their mouths up to 30 pints in one sitting. The water cure what? was different from waterboarding in that the victim was actually imbibing all that water instead of having it poured over their face. Oh, good. So they can get water poisoning. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's water poisoning. I mean, I imagine you drown from that in a lot of situations. I guess they didn't always care to keep you alive. Well, they're drinking it. They're not breathing it. Oh, you can still breathe oh, through your nose. Oh my God, they're pouring it into their stomach. Yeah, basically. Oh, Her thirty pints though. Like stomachs hold like a couple pints. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Are a you lot. questioning their methods? Are you <laughs> questioning like, the science here? It's like those little bitty dudes that win hot dog eating contests. Yeah, that stretching. They do the They slowly stretch their stomachs. And they start with a pint. They go to a second pint. A lot of times they'll dip them in water first. Yeah. The water. So does it say what it's curing or is like the cure in the name supposed to be like a dark joke from back then that we just don't get? I think the cure, it cures Judaism. Curing, it cures heresy. <laughs> oh, you're oh, a heretic? Yeah. You know, Let's cure you of that. You know, that's something I'm disappointed this article doesn't go into more detail about is what was heresy? What was the definition of heresy? Like what types of heresy were there? There's because there's lots of different inquisitions. So they had different rules, right? They weren't all lumped in as the same inquisition. So they had different things they must have that were considered heresy. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's something along the lines of uh, very basic and having it not not accepting the quote unquote gospel. Is, do you, if you, is, I don't know. Like, that Was that pre is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Maybe it was more probably like, a, like- even more basic is like, do you think that the earth is at the center of the universe? <laughs> yeah. The next one's the head crusher. It's basically what it sounds like is a yeah. big vice that they put your head into. It says it'd shatter your teeth and sometimes your eyeballs pop out. 
Fuck that, dude. <laughs> Can you imagine being the people like there? I there's like a level. I feel like in history, uh, we don't have the same level of resilience to death and torture that maybe we once did as a as a human as a species. Like I feel like our not as a whole, like you know, armies and CIA, and you can train people to do this stuff, but I don't. Usually, that takes a long time, you know, to get somebody to a point where they're comfortable with these kind of moves. I feel like, given life expectancy, uh, and maybe how you might get involved in this, it's just like, hey, do you need a job? And they're like, yeah, I'm pretty down on my luck. They're like, okay, you just need to crush this dude's head. And they're like, yeah, that, I guess that's fine. I mean. Not not exactly what I wanted, but it pays the bills. Like there, it seems like people did not feel as mortified by uh, well, yeah, slow, I mean, painful take, death. Take your family out there to watch someone be executed. Like right, that was right. good wholesome entertainment. Yeah, good Christian fun right and, there. And even with as like horrible as our reality TV competitions and how much like our whole society is based around like voyeuristically judging other people at the worst moments of their lives, but somehow still we don't televise executions, right? Like we still have that line <laughs> of like, we'll let them beat each other in a cage for a sport. But like, if someone dies, we're going to cut away because and, that's and not and if someone dies, about. we're kind of lucky. Like there's like that. Right. Like, <laughs> right. But like kind of hoping a little bit. Pretend, Cause if you had to watch like somebody actually be executed, who's on death row, it's just going to be sad. Like modern people have more opportunities to be empathetic, I guess. Maybe yeah. we're slightly better as Maybe a if they choose to be executed. Like that uh, <laughs> that dude who shot himself in the head at the trial. Did you ever see that mm, video? I don't think so. I can never remember the guy's name. Never mind. That's a dark one. Don't Google it. Yeah, I won't. I'm not interested. Any more torture devices before I roll out of here? Uh, the knee splitter is basically a, a tooth advice. I split your kneecap. They just shatter it. Not yeah, they just like kind of crushed it in a vice with spikes on it. It said it rarely killed anybody, but it rendered the victim's legs useless, which <laughs> more or less kills you in medieval Europe. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think the wheelchair was uh, in great shape at that point. Yeah, I don't feel like they feel like square wheel ever rose to be like a position of power. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had the same attitude towards homeless people that we have now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one sounds fun. The Spanish Tickler. And this looks like... This is definitely a sex move. This looks like a paint roller (laughs) on a long... uh, Like, you know when when you're trying to paint something high up and you get the roller on the big long stick? Mm -hmm. It's it's basically that, but the roller has spikes on it. Which, you know, you (laughs) want to give these people credit for innovation, but they just keep going back to the spikes. Spikes and vices. Yeah, just spikes on it. Or it squeezes you. It squeezes a different body part. Like this is the thigh pincher. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, spikes. This is like, this is the Taco Bell of torture. It's like everything's the same ingredients. This is the different shape. Right. What if it was a bathtub, <laughs> but with spikes? What if it was a bookcase that you were inside, but it had spikes? What if it was a chair, but it was a spike? Yeah. <laughs> Man, just one shape of spike will do. Maybe two. This device was also called a cat's paw due to its shape and the fact that it ended in four or five curved metal claws. Sometimes the tickler would be at the end of a long pole to better reach the body of a victim suspended in the air. <laughs> better reach, reach all your crevices. Ooh. Yeah. Or tied to a vertical rack. Uh, they I mean, basically like a paint roller you while you hang in the air. 
but with spikes. <laughs> Burning at the stake. Boring. Classic. Boring. And then uh, the rack. Never die. Oh, that's the stretcher one, right? Uh, the rack. Okay. Also called the Potro or Escalera is one of the most widely known to Escalera. The Buick Escalera is the new crossover <laughs> of the season. <laughs> is also one of the most widely known torture methods used during the Spanish Inquisition. The victim was tied down to a plank of wood while a crank was turned, pulling all four limbs simultaneously yep. away from the body. And a, man. I respect this one because at least there was some engineering involved. It's not just a paint roller with sticks on it, you know? Right. It's not, it's not just someone will stand here and smack you with his rope that's knotted up and we put a spike in it. Like, yeah, here, <laughs> sit on this point. Yeah. Like, oh, great, genius. <laughs> like, this one had to, there there was some engineering involved. Uh, I like yeah, they just tear you like, apart, like Hitcher style. Yeah. We can't just... We can't just pull one arm off or like pull fingers off. Like we need to pull all four limbs out of your stomach. Uh, just body to hear the them all, they all pop out of their joints same time. Oh, you're just floppy and shit. You can't fucking move. You got to pick one person in the entire world to to go on the rack. Who you pick? <laughs> to to death or just like we're only trying to get it like two inches. We out. We don't have to kill them. We just have to make them pop a couple times. <laughs> when, he, when he's a little longer he can come off <laughs> anyone in the I world know. currently living yeah i feel like the easy answers are like just a dictator like some terrible authoritarian dictator like why not but i think it's got to be a celebrity <laughs> i think diane keaton diane That's keaton. My pick. oh wow you really had that one loaded up why her? I, I have a hatred for diane keaton oh if we're doing celebrity um i'm definitely going with uh, I'll do Doctor Phil. I feel good about that. Who's it? The uh, <laughs> it's something in my mind. Who's the thirty seconds to Mars guy? Oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, absolutely Jared Leto. <laughs> good. I'm glad we didn't waste our shots on like the Putins and the Kim Jong Uns of the world. No, Jared Leto <laughs> deserves it probably Diane, more than most. Diane Keaton. I'd like to hear that story someday. Yeah. Well, I. I don't. Th- I don't know if there is a story. It's just like from a very early age, I just had a hatred for. Her. I think she sucks. Like pop her shoulders out of joint. Do you guys know about the boats? The boats, no. like uh, as a torture method. You ever heard of no. that? Like being gill hauled or something, or, or no, something different. No, no, I forget what culture this was from, but they call it the boats, and they would basically like they would put you in a boat like a, 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 a rowboat, right? And tie you up so that you couldn't move. So you're just kind of like strapped in there, you know, all stretched out. And they would put a funnel in your mouth and they would fill you until you're about to like burst and die full of milk and honey. Oh, and like, I don't like you would just, this is going. Oh yeah, they just pump you full of milk and honey. Oh my and when God. you can't take any, and then they'd smear it all over your chest and your, uh, you know, your butthole and everything, and then just like kind of push you out into the water, and you would just float there for days, diarrhea all over yourself, and insects would like swarm you and work their way into your butthole. Exactly, and they'd lay eggs, and then you just a, uh, you're just a maternity ward for, uh, you know. Flies and mosquitoes. You get, you get fucked by dolphins. That that is really creative. That like, is. 
Okay, it's worth mentioning during this whole time, like they had ways of immediately killing people, right? Like they knew how to behead people. This wasn't about being efficient. Like this was about making it as horrible as possible. I really want to yeah, know what I, culture. I don't understand what goes into that. Like what? Why? Like why do you want to do that? Why do you think? Ah, I I don't like this person. Uh, they definitely deserve to die, but it just doesn't seem right to make it quick and painless. Um, how do we prolong this? You gotta for really hate them. days. Yeah, you have to have a lot of hate in your heart. Like they have to reject your Christian principles or something. Okay, so scaphism, uh, also known as the boat, is an alleged ancient Persian method of execution mentioned by oh, Plutarch in his Life of Artaxerxes. It is ostensibly alleged. entailed trapping the victim between two boats, feeding and covering them with milk and honey, and allowing them to fester and be devoured by insects and other vermin over time. Ugh, I can believe the Persians would do that. That checks out. Yeah, they did some shit. <laughs> the Persians, mixed bag. Yeah, they're a real mixed bag over. The Assyrians? The Assyrians, yeah, they went hard. Oh, they went hard in the paint, dude. They there was some interesting uh, like Mongol sentences that were carried out. There was a, Jeremiah, you listened to the uh, hardcore history about the Mongols, right? I believe so, yeah. At one point, I think they were in Russia. And they like like hogtied all these like Russian POWs on the ground, and then they built like this deck. It's like this big wooden platform, set it on top of all of these Persian or uh, Russian prisoners of war, and then like ate a long lunch on top of them while they like screamed and died. That just. Like the amount of work, like we're going to stop the army here for a couple of days so we can build a deck to sit on top of these prisoners to slowly crush them underneath us. Like so much planning has to go into that and everyone is just going along with it. Like, yeah, I mean, they're yeah, prisoners. That's hilarious. Like, like, oh my God, that's else, such how, a funny idea. Yeah, we're going to crush them one at a time. Like what, what do you want us to do? Like, <laughs> Well, that's the thing is like Kublai Khan wasn't punching the clock. He had a passion for what he did. <laughs> Kublai Khan. He found what he loved and uh, he never man. wanted to work a day in his life. <laughs> and you know what, you people listening, you think you're different species of human than than Kublai Khan and uh and people strapping people to boats with full of milk. You're not. You're the same. The exact same. I think it's it, I mean when you do look at these things, it does it does look like maybe the arc of humanity is it is improving. You know, based on whatever reason you've decided is the moral impetus for it. But it's like, you know, we're not really doing that in the same capacity anymore. Of course, it's still happening, but not in the same capacity. So I think I just want to stop for a moment. And um, that's uh, my praise. Um, I want to, that's my praise request. There's ups and downs, but maybe, you know, the ups get a little bit higher each time. Yeah. Bring it back. Two steps forward, one step back restore uh past generations that's what i want i'm sharpening my battle axe i'm ready to go out there and build a deck on somebody (laughs) well i hope this has been an informative episode (laughs) and i hope that you can uh rest assured that uh inquisition bad um you know crusades bad science good science is good Uh, i think stifling science is bad um You think you've got a new recurring podcast segment of uh, blank or is it a sex thing? 
Because like this time it was <laughs> medieval torture devices or it could be church signs <laughs> or a sex thing. <laughs> yeah, I like it. We need, we need listener submissions. <laughs> that stuff gets a lot easier when you have listeners submit, submit questions. Like, like you should so. be in the Growing Up Christian Discord where there are channels dedicated to sharing your best terrible Christian memes. Yeah, that's what I should. We'll make a channel oh, for uh, games. We'll make a channel for games. Uh, and maybe people can submit ones and we can subject our guests to them. We used to do that a while ago. I came up with some pretty fun ones earlier in the early days, uh, whether it was uh, worship ago. lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Before we started phoning it in and, and critiquing articles from the print PDF of the Lutheran Sentinel. <laughs> I guess that probably ought to be said at some point. This doesn't look like it's a big publication. It just was one of those things that like caught everybody's eye. Your grandma yeah, read no it. <laughs> and it is uh, part of, it is like a microcosm for some more frequent justifications of awful sure. things in history's but, past. But it's not like this is like a, a giant mainstream like article that's gotten a lot of traction or anything. For all we know, no. 15 people read this. Well, we'll just wait for the the Christianity Today or Gospel Coalition article to come out where they talk about how the Crusades weren't all bad. It, it'll be their next Christianity Today like investigative podcast series. They did the one on Mars Hill and that'll be about the Crusades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just well, covering the I think they have to do one first church. about all the um, about the cover ups of the sexual exploitation and harassment in the workplace that have recently come out of there. That's not going uh, Christianity Today. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, not. I guess it's not the right time to get into that. But it's <laughs> sounds pretty. That'll bad. be old news. It'll be that'll be older news by the time this one comes out, actually. But yeah, they oh, uh, apparently had uh, culture there, <laughs> and it that's was reported on described. from someone who yeah. is who is part of the organization. And I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of the details. I haven't looked into it a lot. I've just been seeing it posted a lot. No, it's fucking. Well, I- I enjoyed the Mars Hill podcast. I don't know if this is a bad time to say that, but I thought it was pretty good. How dare you? You can't say that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for here. listening. If you're not in the Discord, join the Discord. What are you doing? What are you, doing? Uh, you can maybe find a link on our social media. We'll, we'll we'll make sure that the link is current by the time this one comes back. Yeah, and, I'll fix uh, it. Yeah, appreciate you listening. And thanks to our sponsor, Minor Threads. Go to... Uh, minorthreadsco.com if you're in the market for merchandise or printing or just general apparel and stickers and all that kind of stuff and those guys will hook you up thanks for listening and we will see you next time <laughs> <laughs>